Thanks to my donors on Patreon who are making it possible for this education podcast to exist. If you like it too, please consider contributing at www.patreon.com slash pioslabs. That's P-I-O-S-L-A-B-S. It's May 15th, 2017, and this is the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. In the push for more education in science, technology, engineering, and math, don't forget to learn from the humanities, too. I'm your host, Pius Wong, and for this episode, I spoke with English teacher and author Roxana Eldon, who's written about many aspects of K-12 education. We spoke about tips for new teachers, how to get students to write better reports in engineering and science classes, and more topics. Listen in next. You are an English teacher, um, a speaker, an author, and you were a past guest on this podcast. So that's mm-hmm. how I first discovered you. Is there anything else? And that, a fan. And a fan of my of podcast? podcast. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that people should know about you? Uh, I do everything that I can to support new teachers, especially the first year on the job. So everything that I do, it revolves around helping out new teachers, guiding them through that bumpy road that leads from the last day of your training through the end of your first year. Yeah, speaking of that, I picked up your book on that subject. It's called See Me After Class, Advice for Teachers by Teachers. And I I read it, and not being a teacher myself and just having been around a lot of teachers, when I finally read this, It was very eye-opening, and it it just confirmed, yep, all those horror stories that you hear uh, can be true. So it's it could be pretty frightening, some of these things that you say. Why did you write that book? Well, what I found as a new teacher, and I was somebody who my entire life I wanted to be a teacher. I was the person who sat in my high school classes and looked at my teachers and thought, I could do this better than you, and one day I will. (laughs) And... Even with all of that, and even with what I would consider pretty good training, I, you know, I got into my first year of teaching, and I realized that I really needed somebody else to acknowledge having the type of bad days that I was having. So what I was, what I was really missing my first year was uh, honesty, humor, and practical advice. Mm. So I really. I got a lot of advice along the lines of, you know, hey, remember what you in training, be consistent, be positive. Uh, but I didn't have a lot of advice that would take it from there. So if I tried to be positive and it backfired, I would just find another person that would tell me again to be positive or somebody would say something that would be what I consider the most obnoxious line in teaching, which is, that would never happen in my class because, you know, what I, insert your reason that makes you a better teacher. My students respect me or I'm better organized or something. But nobody acknowledged that somebody who could be a good teacher in the future is going to have days that make them feel like a really bad teacher. The reason why I wanted to speak to you on this podcast is because I know that lots of engineering teachers, especially in high school and elementary and mm-hmm. middle school, they're new. They they might have come from industry. There are a lot of teachers listening to this podcast 
who are who may not be super experienced in the mm-hmm. school environment. And I thought that your book and your experience could be really insightful for them. Even though you are not necessarily an engineering teacher, a lot of the stuff that I read about seems like it would apply to any teacher. Uh, I think a lot of it applies to any teacher because I think that honesty, something that a lot of teachers need at different points. I think it's a, a very good place to start coaching any any teacher really that's going through a tough point for any reason. Um, and career switchers, I mean, they're going to hit some of the same bumps in the road. So some of those things that you, you wrote about, like I, I already recognized other teachers complaining about when I would talk to them mm-hmm. in our engineering trainings. For example... Um, the reports that students would always have to turn in because in engineering classes, they're always doing group projects. And every single time I met with teachers, the group of them would mm-hmm. say they're turning in horrible papers to explain their projects. And even like the so-called bright kids who did great creative projects, building robots and stuff, when it came time to write it out, their grammar mm-hmm. would be bad or it'd be, we would be disorganized and it just wasn't the quality that they would expect. Do you have any tips for these teachers for helping these kids get better in writing their reports? That That's a, a complicated answer because on the one hand, they're not English teachers. So they, they mostly want to focus on their subject at, uh, area, but at the same time, subjects overlap very much and especially when it comes to communications. Coincidentally, as if this issue were really problematic, our connection over Skype cut out a bit over here. So we reconnected over cell phone, and Roxana continued. Okay. So on the one hand, engineering is a hard enough subject to teach that it's reasonable for for an engineering teacher not to feel like they need to step in and be an English teacher also. Um, I will also add that poorly written papers are also a big problem for English teachers <laughs> because we get lots and lots of, you know, hundreds of poorly written papers. And there's also sometimes a limit to how much you can correct in any one paper. So on the one hand, you know, feel free to mostly focus on your subject matter. On the other hand, There are certain writing skills that all teachers can reinforce and students will become better communicators if all teachers reinforce those. And I actually have a link to uh, my list of 10 writing skills I think that all teachers can reasonably reinforce and I'm happy to send you the link to that if you want to put it in the show notes or something. For sure. But among the writing skills that all teachers can reinforce are writing skills that will especially help communicate in something like engineering. So for one thing, you know, follow directions exactly and answer the questions completely. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just, just letting students know that it's not okay to skip the harder part of the question is something that will bump up their skills and also keep them from slacking in your class. And then just reinforcing the idea that you need to put, um, ideas in an order that makes sense and think about the details that your specific reader will need. And then last, the, the, the last thing which I think every teacher should be reinforcing is always read your paper after you wrote it and see if it says what you want to say. Mm. 
because there's lack of writing skills and then there's just all around carelessness. And so I think any teacher can feel confident in just telling students, I expect you not to be careless. Don't make me be the very first person to read your paper after you wrote it when you could have been the very first person to read it after you wrote it. Right. No, that totally makes sense, especially because a lot of these engineering projects are group projects. So ideally, more than Mm -hmm. one person has looked at it. That's interesting Mm -hmm. that you, you don't mention things like, I don't know, grammar or style, stuff like that. I think that is much more in the zone of the English teacher Mm -hmm. because grammar is hard to teach and style is, yeah, it's definitely something to be, you know, taught by the hands of a professional. Well, that's good to know. I know that a lot of teachers, engineering teachers might be uncomfortable teaching the English anyway. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, so those are good tips and I'll definitely put that link. Sure. (laughs) Right. But I will say this, what engineering teachers do have that English teachers don't have is some idea of how an industry-specific paper would look. So if there is a type of document that engineers need to turn in, that's the kind of thing where you can say, listen, I worked in engineering, and this would not fly. You'd need it to look like like this. And then you also have some authority if you're coming from that field. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So for other new teachers who are just starting to teach engineering, what other tips do you think you could give them that all teachers should should know when they're coming in for the first time? I think number one, I would tell the, the main thing that I tell every teacher as it, when whenever I'm kind of cornered to give the one <laughs> best tip for new teachers is very simple, which is make sure you're getting enough sleep. Really? Okay. Because a good night's sleep is the difference between the best teacher you could possibly be in that situation on that day versus a greatly diminished version of yourself. And the one thing I will say with, you know, a classroom full of kids, you really need to be the best version of yourself as a starting point. I like how that ties back to that episode that you spoke on for Mm -hmm. me before about teacher nightmares, because we want to avoid those. Mm -hmm. Another thing I would say, choose your mentors carefully Hmm. and also know that you need more than one mentor. I always tell new teachers, you don't need a mentor. You need a board of advisors and different people on that board will serve different purposes. So there can be someone on there that can help you with lesson plans and there can be someone on there that you complain with. And those two people don't have to be the same person. And there can also be somebody on there who is such a good teacher that they intimidate you. And maybe you don't want to open up about your mistakes to that person, but that person should be on there so that you can watch them teach. So yeah, I mean, I would say gather about five people who serve different purposes And then you'll have a sense of who to go to for what. Mm -hmm. Do you think they have to be in the same department? And I only ask because... Well, one of them should. They should. Okay. A lot of engineering teachers Mm -hmm. seem like they're working as a department of one. I'm not sure that engineering or computer science is so prevalent in some schools. So what happens Mm -hmm. if they don't have a direct colleague to help them out like that? I would say one of the people on your board of advisors should be somebody who teaches a similar subject. 
So if there are no other engineering teachers, maybe go to a science or math teacher. Mm-hmm. But then another one of those teachers on your board of advisors, and it could be the, the same person, but it could be a different person, should be somebody who teaches similar students. So, or even the same students. So if you have a teacher who teaches your students English, that person can be tremendously helpful just as far as working through the personalities and what the kids are able to do and not able to do um, as you plan your lessons. Um, But at the same time, you also want to be able to coordinate with somebody who has a, a a, a similar subject matter. Even though you're teaching English, you definitely have experience with things like technology because it seems like Mm -hmm. all schools, all teachers are using different types of technology today. What's been your experience with ed tech and uh, not even to teachers listening, but even to educational technology providers you might be listening because I know there are a few. Mm -hmm. What's been some of the the best technology you've used and, and why? Okay, so I should mention and I can send you the link to this. I wrote an article about this that was directed toward ed tech people. Yeah, I think you. I think you did send me. Yeah, it was a kind of love letter. Yeah. (laughs) So, the relationship between teachers and education technology is complicated because um, it really comes down to how much you promise versus how much you deliver, and also how much work the teacher has to put in on the front end. So, I mean, there are some, there's some great education technology out there. One of them, I mean, one of the technological advances that really helped during the course of my career was when the computerized grade book started. When I first started as a teacher, we just had these, you know, green checkered, pieces of graph paper basic that we recorded grades on and then added them up at the end of each quarter. So, you know, just inputting those grades into a computer and having all, you know, the grades automatically there, the kids can log in, the parents can log in. That was a great jump for us. On the flip side of that, you have education technology that overpromises what it's going to do for your students and what it's going to make easier for the teacher. And often they don't overpromise directly to the teacher. They have a contract with the district hmm. and then the teacher has to deal with that at the classroom level. And what sometimes happens when, when that has not been done, I, I would say considerately is that the teacher ends up troubleshooting in a class full of students. And the teachers really resent that. So, for example, I had a, there was a program that I don't necessarily think was a badly designed program, but I had to take 150 students over the course of two days to the media center and help them all log in and set up their account. Mm -hmm. And they were all supposed to have passwords and they were all supposed to have login information in the system. Well, about a third of the students not in the system. So that kept taking me away from my class. I wasn't able to get to all of the students. Half of my students were sitting there bored. The other half couldn't, couldn't log in. Half of them had finished. And 
then by the end of the year, we never heard about this program again. Wow. So I don't know that the students got any benefit from it. So that's something that I think of when I think about programs that are just really not designed with the teacher's experience in mind. What you've said sounds similar to what other people have been saying, like teachers have been burned in the past, basically. Mm -hmm. And so that's maybe why a lot of teachers are wary of these businesses that might be promising too much. Is there a better way that educational technology can engage with districts and teachers? I would say that you want to make it very easy to test out the technology without doing a whole lot of front-end preparation on the teacher's part. Because what often happens with teachers is that we will get excited about technology. And then we'll take that three-hour period to input all our students' information or upload all our lesson plans or something very time-consuming because we think we're going to save time down the line. And then when we realize that the program doesn't meet our needs, we've already sunk that time into it. Mm. And we're very hesitant to keep doing that. Yeah, there was a part in your book where that sounded familiar. You wrote about another teacher's story where something like that had happened, where they sunk all this effort into using some technology or curriculum. And then in the end, it didn't really pan out and they wasted all this time. So Yeah, I mean, it's just teachers learn so much through trial and error. I think the thing that you need to know if you're on the other end of it. And I mean, I'm not on the other end of it, so I could be making the same mistake that I sometimes feel that tech creators are. But you have to just imagine that any glitch in your system is going to be multiplied hmm. by 30 students in a class who are getting bored while the teacher is trying to figure this out and who are getting progressively more rowdy while the, you know, while the screen is loading. Mm -hmm. um, and so you just have to understand that that's where the technology is going if you are, you know, making things for teachers. Yeah, it sounds like a challenge. It is, but you know what? There are, There is definitely technology that makes our job easier, so... We're still looking for love. All right. Yeah, that's part of what uh, I hope a lot of the people listening do. They create cooler tools that help you out. So I did want to ask a kind of a final question. I think there's a trend that people are putting a lot more emphasis on STEM education, science, technology, engineering, and math. Part of the reason why I'm mm -hmm. making this podcast, for example. But I wonder, does that cause any conflicts with non-STEM teachers. So so you teach English, and I'm wondering if you personally have experienced anything where you feel like STEM is over-prioritized over the arts or the humanities or something else. I will say that I, I can only speak for myself on this. I don't, it's not something that I hear a lot of English teachers complain about, but the heart of being educated is being able to think a lot of different ways. So engineering is one of those, science is one of those, math is one of those, and English is one of those. So I don't think that an English teacher is going to have a problem hearing that STEM fields are important, unless the exception to that would be 
if you get a lot of those type of comments like, haha, what are students ever going to do with poetry? You mm-hmm. know, if you get a, a lot of obnoxious comments, then you could, you, there's probably a, you know, English teacher version of that for the robotics class or <laughs> whatever. But I mean, really, I think most teachers want students to get a well-rounded education. Right. Like it's not a, a zero-sum game. I don't think so. Okay. And I also, all of, all of the subjects feed into each other because sure. it's your mind in different ways. So don't be afraid to try to collaborate with with English teachers. They probably would be happy to do so if you thought of a cross-disciplinary project. Yeah, if you could help them create better reports and write better in their lab notebooks. Yeah, you need to be able to communicate to do anything. Thank you to Roxana Eldon in Miami, Florida. For links to Roxana's articles that we mentioned about educational technology or how to teach writing in any classroom, or for a link to her book, check out this episode's show notes. Thank you for listening. Remember to follow the show on Twitter at K12Engineering, and you can follow me at Pius Wong. Follow the show on Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and everywhere else on the internet. All the details are at www.k12engineering.net. Our closing music is from Late for School by Bleep Tour under a Creative Commons attribution license. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of Pios Labs, that's Pios with an O, and you can support Pios Labs at www.patreon.com slash Labs. Hey, quick post-show note. If you recognized Roxana's voice in this episode, it's probably because you heard her before in last year's episode called Teacher Dreams and Nightmares. And if you haven't heard Roxana before or if you haven't heard that episode, I highly, highly recommend you go back into season one and look for that episode, Teacher Dreams and Nightmares, because it's easily one of the more popular, most popular and most shared episodes that I've done. It also took probably some of the most work on my part to make a podcast. Like I went around asking a whole bunch of people why teachers, especially new teachers, seem to get nightmares more than other people. And um, Roxana had done her own uh, research about this because she's she had written a book about new teachers' experiences. Um, so Roxana's contribution was really awesome in that episode, along with all the other contributions of everyone else who helped me with it. And I, I again, just highly recommend listening to that episode because I'm proud of it and a lot of other people liked it. Thanks.